Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to the Dope Black Woman podcast, the podcast where we share stories of black excellence as part of our safe digital sisterhood. I'm Leanne Levos. I'm Rashan. You can call me Shan. I'm Livs. This week on the podcast, we discuss black comedy and representation. Hey guys, what's good? What's going on? Hey, hey what's going What's up, my man? Y'all take the face. Um, I guess that highlights the point that that's what we're talking about this week. So I'm sure everybody has seen on Twitter the outrage that's been happening in response to the promo for season two of Famalam, which is on BBC. And for those of you who don't know, Famalam is a sketch comedy show. It's in its second season and it's made by two guys who are the lead creatives, Tom Mucci and Samson Kyle. And they do a range of sketch comedy across kind of poking fun at Caribbean and African people and white people, I think, to a lesser extent. Um, And it's in season two. And this season, they've done a series of promos. And one of the sketches that has been kind of causing a lot of controversy is a sketch about a Caribbean spelling show. Um, And so we're going to dive into that talk about it a little bit have you guys seen the, sh- the sketch as everyone's i have yeah it's yeah, basically I've seen that. it's a jamaican version of countdown which i'm sure everyone remembers but um yeah so in this um in this comedy sketch which is supposed to be countdown so you have your judge and you have your three panelists um it's just like every Jamaican stereotype going is in there. Um, just about how Jamaicans are rude and they can't concentrate, that all they do is loud and sing and smoke weed and they're not very intelligent. And that's basically that's basically the next four minutes. <laughs> oh, let's not forget the huge cock that drops out behind the clock. Oh yeah, yeah, of course. Um, because all black men have big cocks and some holes. I did not notice that. <laughs> did you not? I didn't go back. How fucking rude. Yeah, there's a man behind the clock and essentially they pan over to him and literally his penis just drops out and it's excessively massive. Um, or maybe normal by some people's standards. I don't know. But to me, hey. <laughs> That's your business, honey. <laughs> I don't know, guys. You know what? The thing is, in on first watch, I wasn't necessarily offended so much as I was just like, this is not actually funny. 
And then mm. it was only as I continued to watch it and consider why it wasn't funny. I was like, oh, because it's playing on like literally the most basic of stereotypes or the most common stereotypes that are humanly possible when it comes to thinking about Jamaican people. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing it on Twitter and I remember the first time I saw it was as a promotion. So it wasn't like someone reacting to it. And I kind of just thought, I found it a little bit funny, like, like, huh? Like, you know, that kind of like that laugh that is more of a breath than a laugh, like that. Huh? But it wasn't, it didn't make me want to watch the whole program. It didn't want me to, it didn't make me want to go and find out more. And um, the other thing is it felt very old. It felt yeah. very old school. It felt very like something I would see on TV like 20 years ago. Very it didn't feel, it felt, it felt tasteless for the time, especially everything that's going on in the, in the world. I was surprised that this is the kind of content that we're promoting right now. Mm. Um, And then a couple of days later is when I saw all the kind of like backlash around it and people making, as you pointed out, people making more specific points about why, what makes it so offensive and what makes it so tasteless. Um, So yeah, that was my first impression. Um, So yeah, when I saw it, I didn't really think, you know me, let me come to the screen. I don't really want to get offended. So when I saw it, I didn't really see what the outrage that I now see was about. Now I do get it. But um, to me, I just thought it was just content that wasn't really funny. And then if you've seen the one that they've done afterwards, there's like another skit that's been released with the drill people. That is absolutely funny. And that's obviously putting a dig into British culture. And it kind of makes me think, if the actors were actually British, I mean, we're actually Jamaican. Would it change? Would it change it? Is it because the people that are writing it are Africa are of African descent? Do you know what I mean? I don't know. I don't. I mean, I think for me, it's not so much the, and the, the outrage that it's received. I mean, the prime not the prime minister, but one of the ministers or the ministers of parliament in Jamaica actually tweeted and said this is offensive and it's the worst thing that we've ever really? seen. Really? Yeah. Like oh my gosh. Jamaica are upset about it as well. Um, and I, th- I don't think it's the fact that they're not Jamaican because at the end of the day they're black and I think British culture is such an amalgamation of you know, African culture and Caribbean culture or Caribbean cultures um, and African cultures, plural, um, that I don't think it's that the fact that they're not Jamaican, but I think it, it goes back to this idea of, and I think Lives has said this before, it's almost like airing a dirty laundry. Like, I think it's fine to make those kind of jokes within close quarters and amongst mm-hmm. family and friends because you know yeah. that it's not true and you know that it's a stereotype that... And you know how it's going to be received, isn't exactly. it, as well? Whereas, like, them doing this is, like, feeding into the stereotype that we were trying to get rid of. Yeah, it's public consumption and you know that white people are going to watch this and they're going to... It's going to reinforce some of the things that ultimately lead to at least covert types of racism. Right. Mm. It leads to this idea that black men can be over hypersexualized and every black man has a big dick and increases the white exoticization of black men. It goes back to the idea that I can't walk into a room and everybody actually acknowledge that I'm Jamaican because I speak standard English and they're expecting mm. me to speak like a yardie and not have a PhD or not be able to carry myself in a conversation. So I think mm. that's probably where the root of the offense comes from. Do you think, what do you think, if anything about it, would have been different if it was Jamaican people? Like, do you think you would have been able to tell, basically? Because, no. like, the one about 
you know, that Shan that you pointed out, the skit about drill music feels very, it feels like just on the right between like that borderline between being offensive. It's, it's just, it sits just right. And you can tell like these are people who've grown up in London, in black British culture. They know what they're talking about. Mm. Do you think it would have been, do you think you would have been able to tell straight away watching it if it was made by Jamaican people? I think, I, I think the outrage would have been slightly different. Only because, I'll give you an example in different contexts, yeah? If I was to make a joke about a fat person, people would be like, oh my God. Mm. <laughs> but if a fat person made but a joke But if I was like her. someone who was a, a, body, a body positive influencer or activist, and I made a joke, no one would, no one would be responding in that same way. Mm. They'll probably just think that I'm taking, like, making the fun out of myself and leave that to me. Do you get what I mean? Mm. I don't know, guys. I don't know if a Jamaican... First of all, I don't think... That if a Jamaican made that skit, I don't think it would have looked like that. Right? That's the first thing. We might have made jokes about the same types of stereotypes, but it wouldn't have been as... as tricky. And I think part of what is caused or allows the outrage to be so obvious is because it's just genuinely not that funny. Like, I think what they did, essentially, was they took an episode of Countdown and they added a few stereotypes and they turned it into a Paco version. And there's this common narrative that if you say something in Paco, it somehow automatically <laughs> makes it funny. And it's just not true. Like, if it's not funny... In English, <laughs> no, if it's not funny in standard English, it's probably not going to be funny in Paco. Unless it has to be a joke. Yeah, unless you take it to the extreme version of Pato that nobody really even understands what you're saying and mm. it just sounds like complete gibberish. But like that halfway point where the Patois accent is not really that good because their accents aren't really that good, if I'm being 100% mm. honest. And the mm. fact that it's just not funny, even if you were to take that and put a sketch version of English Countdown or whatever the show is called, it's called Countdown, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. The English version of Countdown and just make it a black British version of Countdown, it wouldn't have been funny. So it's easier to identify the outrage because the humor isn't overpowering it, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Right. It's similar to how, um, you know, African accents, and I say African because, you know, sometimes it's Nigerian, sometimes it's South African, sometimes it's Ghanaian, whatever. Um, you see comedians and like there are some comedians i ain't gonna name no names because i don't want to get dragged who have that is their whole career is that they say a joke and then they use the african accent and it's like that's the joke like it could literally be like oh i was talking to my mum the other day and she was like where are you going haven't done the dishes but put an african accent on it suddenly that's the joke like that's the whole joke that's the punchline exactly and people who do it well are people who use their accents to tell stories about real lived experiences, like things that have actually happened to them and they're actually taking on the voice of their mother or their father or somebody that they actually know. But people who just do it, if your entire comedy is rooted on you being a, a different person or having a different accent, then it just is never going to land. Mm. I've been to like a couple uh, black comedy nights where this kind of thing happens, where you have someone get on stage and they talk about their upbringing and they talk about African culture and they might put on a Nigerian accent and they're, you know, they're mimicking their mum or their dad. And it's funny, it's relatable. But, you know, you look around the crowd and you see white people laughing and you kind of think, are you laughing at the joke or are you laughing at the accent? In which case, like, we have made it difficult for ourselves of where that line is because, like, 
it's confusing for them because they're like, can I laugh or can I not laugh? Like, it's funny. But I think that's, that's the same overlap as using the M word. Explain, go on. Did you know what I said? Yeah, yeah, it's like using the N word, but like, what do you mean by yeah, that? Like, I think it's a similar thing because when you're saying, like, so when you're in a comedy setting, I don't, even though I'm saying this, I don't agree with it at all. I had an argument with someone about this recently. I don't agree with it, I'm just saying. So, what I'm saying is, when you're in a comedy show and they're making these, they're making these jokes about black culture and people in the audience who are black are laughing at it and they are quote unquote allowed to, if they laugh it or not, they don't know if they're going to be going to get beaten up afterwards for laughing at it or if they're okay. Do you get what I mean? And it's the same way how, like, with the N-word, when black people use it in their music all the time, some people feel like, I don't know if I can, I can use, um, say it or not. Me, personally, I'm going to say this very clear, you can still not say it. I don't care who's... I don't care if black gods come down and says that you still cannot say it. But I feel like it's a similar um, level of bloodlines there. But I think that goes back to the point, like, who is your audience? Like, I don't think... And because of the platform that Famalam is on, it's very obvious who their audience is, right? They have to appeal to a particular mass mainstream audience, which is predominantly mm. white. If this was somewhere taking, it still wouldn't be funny, but again, I think if it's like, if we're in a comedy show and I went to a comedy show one day and it was put on by an Asian charity and my, me and my partner at the time were the only two black people in the room. And somebody made a joke about black people, and literally the entire room mm. turned and looked at us, and we weren't laughing. <gasps> but literally, the ent- it was maybe like sixty Asian people. Oh my god! And looked at us, and we were just like, "Are you waiting on us to laugh? Because we're not going to." And then the comedian just kind of quickly moved on. But yeah, I think you do have to take direction from black people sometimes. And if a boatload of Jamaicans are telling you that this is not funny, it's just not mm. funny. And I think the problem is, is that uh, Tom Mucci gave this, I don't know if you saw his response on Twitter as well. Oh no, I haven't seen it. What happened yeah, you say? But basically he was just like, look, it's just banter. The same way Caribbeans get it, it's the same way that Africans get it. Like anybody can get it on Family Land. And that because the humor or the poking fun at people is across the spectrum, mm. it's somehow made to be okay. Um, mm. But I don't know. I feel like with this, he just needs to take this L and just be like, because I, I hear what he's saying, because it's not like he makes a show that's only aimed at Caribbean culture and it's offending us. He makes a, he makes a show that's making dig at everybody. So I get that point. But I think in this scenario, he needs to take the L that this joke just wasn't funny and next time he needs to use a different joke. But it is, um, it is tricky. Like, I mean, I do, as you, as Sean's as pointed out, I do get what you say because you look at something like Family Guy Family Guy takes the piss out of everyone, men, women, disabled, poor, rich, whatever. Like, that's their whole spiel, right? Is that mm. anyone can get it. But I think what they do well is the people they take the piss out of most of are the most powerful. The people they take the piss out of the most of are like dumb Republicans who have power. Jeremy, they don't prey on the most minority members Vulnerable. of society. Yeah. Like they, they, do you know what I mean? Like they yeah. could get to, but they're not the people who are in the firing range. Yeah, it's punching up versus punching down. And the idea yeah. is that you should never punch down. But I think what Tom was trying to say is that you're pu- he's punching horizontally, if that makes any sense. Mm. Yeah, so yeah. Punching horizontally, does it make it okay? And I will say that Famalam doesn't really make too much fun of white people. Like somebody mm. on Twitter said. Of yeah, course, he can't do that. 
How on earth can you go to the commissioner and pitch a sketch show about the commissioner? What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> They'll be like, excuse me? You didn't even love me? No way. But Family Guy does really well. Like, Family Guy is like a very successful program. Like they found a good middle ground where they do it, they do, uh, they do it well. But I think if you're gonna make fun of yourself, you still have to be very aware of, and when I say yourself, cause I don't make the distinction between him being an African and him making fun of Jamaicans, he's black, mm. right? So on some level, there is more room for him to make fun of African Caribbean cultures as a British man, because he's also yeah. embedded within that culture. He's not just African. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think when you're, when you're, do, when you're punching, horizontally and you're trying to appeal to black people but yes also white people you have to be careful of the stereotypes that you're reinforcing you know Mm. he could have easily done that in a way where he painted jamaican people to actually be exceptionally smart and still be funny you know what i mean yeah Mm -hmm. literate or that the only thing that you ever see on famalam is people is Jamaican people speaking Pato, and that's just not a full representation. Like he could be making fun of Jamaican uptown people, that would be punching up. I would be okay with that. You know what I mean? He could be mm. making fun of posh British black people, mm. which I, maybe they do on camera. I've never seen it, but you can still punch up within your own community. I think is what I'm trying to say. It's interesting that you're now back in Jamaica. I mean, like has. It, are people genuinely talking about this? Like, are your friends talking about it? Are, pe- are people outside of, like, um, social media actually talking about this? Well, I don't know, because I'm in isolation and I'm, <laughs> I'm closed off from the rest of society. <laughs> <laughs> um, true, but I will true. say that people across the diaspora are talking about it. Like, one of my girlfriends in Canada, um, Violet, she was talking about it on her plat- on her social media. People on Twitter who live in Jamaica are talking about it. People in Oz are talking about it. Like every, even non-Caribbean people mm. are talking about the fact that it's not funny, which I think is a sign. It's very telling. Like other African people or people from the African diaspora are also saying, actually, this is not funny because it reinforces stereotypes about them too. Like the Mandingo thing is not just a Jamaican stereotype. It's exacerbated within Jamaican culture, but it's not just, it's true of black men in general. And so you're reinforcing a stereotype about black men and about black people in general. Like the, there's a saying that goes, if you want to hide something from black people, put it in a book. And that is a super- Yeah, I've heard that before, very yeah. rude. And that's exactly what Count, that sketch did. Mm. Yeah, like, and as you were saying, like sometimes you can, use these stereotypes because they're stereotypes and you know they're not true and make them funny but it's just how you do it for example like um you know one of the characters who is on this panel on the tv show um is smoking weed and he just kind of like turns around is like instantly high which is by the way not how weed works you don't just take one puff and you're like <laughs> but like they could i don't know it could have been so much more subtle and so much more funny like there could have been a reference to green or something it doesn't have to be literally him pulling out a joint in the middle of a TV show. Because who would do that? Like, what normal person would do that? So it's just, it's way too, like, in your face. It's way too slapstick. Exactly. Slapstick is the perfect word. And for the record, Jamaica Mm. is not even on the top of the list as it goes to the countries that smoke the most weed. Like, they're all white European countries. I don't think, I think Mm. African country, that's number 10. So that's also just a stereotype that just isn't, isn't true like it's it's not even something that's grounded in any 
any sort of truth whatsoever as well. Um, and I wonder what their comedy was like before BBC. Like I've done, I've never seen any of their work prior to BBC. But there's this idea sometimes that the further up you go in terms of comedy, so like guys like Kevin Hart and um, Dave Chappelle, I, I feel like their humor is not becoming funny anymore because they can no longer take the piss out of where they were. Mm. And if continue to take the piss out of where they were, now it's like, I'm looking down on you. So like Kevin Hart, for instance, mm. has transitioned into making his work about um, being rich and how ridiculous he is as a rich person. Yeah, know? or being a dad. Or being a family. dad. Yeah. Um, but it's not about being black anymore. Exactly, because he is now a different... It operates in a different space, right? And I don't know if that's mm. something that family... Um, used to do and no longer does because of their place on BBC and they feel like they have to fit into a particular dynamic. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I get that. I get that, like, um, the wider your audience is, it's almost like, especially with comedy, because comedy is so subjective anyway, it's almost like you have to water down your jokes. It's like, it's not about is this joke actually funny or smart or clever? It's like, how many people out of this room are going to laugh? Like, I'm trying to reach as many people as possible. That's it. That's the goal. Like, um, and so as you become more and more mainstream, you kind of, I feel like a lot of people, and I think this happens for artists as well, you lose sense of like what your actual core is, like mm. what your selling point is, because you become like so mainstream. It's like, well, actually, I'm just trying to appeal to anyone and everyone now because I'm mm. about to get that coin, honey. <laughs> this is the Dope Black Women podcast. But what do you think about, so like when this whole uproar happened towards it, people were saying they should take the programme down and um, they should take the, show, the whole show off. What do you think about things like that in response to this? It's hard, right? Because like we want to see black representation on mainstream telly. We want to see black representation in mainstream film. But like, even when the content itself is made by black people, it can still cause problems. It can mm. still be wrong. And I think like the difficulty of like, you know, the question of where do we go from here is commissioners are going to be scratching their head being like, boy, we thought that was a good idea. It wasn't like, what do we do now? Like, do you know what I mean? I think it's difficult. I don't think it should be canceled at all. I mean, it was one bad sketch right and it is offensive and it is rude um and it was not funny but as we just pointed out the drill sketch is hilarious there's another sketch on there that they've been doing the promo of, of two jamaicans like beefing over their julie as it were oh yeah oh yeah uh, where do you I, thought that was, right. I thought that was funny did you I find that, that funny? funny yeah like it's not the funniest thing i've ever seen but it wasn't offensive and I like the way they incorporated the soundtrack because that's that genuinely is authentic Caribbean and Jamaican culture. So I feel like, and, that, and that's why I think that, that's why I think that with this, I wasn't really outraged because I feel like there has to be balance to it. And I've seen him do stuff where he's executed it well, and this is just something that's executed wrong. And he just needs to understand that. I think yeah. the issue is when his response to it is talking about all lives matter, like all black lives matter. And I hear <laughs> that when we're talking about Jamaicans right now. <laughs> <laughs> Mm. No, it's true. I just think that we're all. If it was white people, then maybe I would say, yeah, we should we should cancel them. This is completely unacceptable. But like, I feel like we have to hold each other to account in a way that is loving and 
um, appreciative of the effort. Like these guys are trying to do something. They're trying to increase representation on mainstream. And they've done it so well. They're award winning, you know. This show is yeah. award winning. Mm. And they've done it so well, and they made one mistake. So let's call them out on it and keep it pushing. And if they choose to ignore us, then they choose not to hold themselves accountable, and that's a different story. But I just don't think that you can, um, yeah, you can't write them off altogether because of one bad sketch. And I think that's mm. a lot. Of, I, I do think, well, from my timeline, I do think that's what the general, the general consensus is. Because I saw the first one. And then I saw a few people at Rage about, about it, or quite a lot, not a few, not downplay it. But then I saw um, the sketch about um, the drill one. And mm-hmm. I also saw the one that you just spoke about, about, about fighting, fighting over the Julie. But in, I didn't, when I watched it, and I'm, I'm quite a passive person on Twitter. I don't, I don't even speak, I just retweet and like. So when I watched those two, I didn't even realise it was part of the same programme. Do you get what I mean? But my experience mm. of it was very different. And I feel like the people that I saw sharing it were obviously not the people that I saw this and the other one. So I do feel like a lot of people recognise that this is a mistake and still want to support him. And that's why I'm seeing the other ones more on my timeline than I did the negative one, if that makes sense. Yeah. Do you feel like we're too hard on black creators because the expectation is so high. Like, and I'm drawing comparisons to, have you guys heard about this whole thing with Cuties? No. So Cuties is a French film about uh, an 11 year old Muslim Senegalese, is that how you pronounce it? Senegalese girl, yeah. And she joins a a dancing group um, with the girls in her community. And like, don't get me wrong, like it's a bit like blurred lines because like, you know, it's a story about um, girlhood, it's a story about friendship, it's a story about finding yourself, but also like, you know, some people feel uncomfortable about the outfits they wear and about some of the dance moves they do because like some of it is a bit sexualized. Um, But like, the film hasn't even come out yet. Like we have not seen the film. The film doesn't come out till mid-September and people are like, we should ban the film. Like it should not be allowed on Netflix. There's a change.org that has like 500,000 signatures. And I just feel like she is getting ripped apart for something that is not even out there yet. And like, the expectation of black representation, because it's so far and few between, we're so ready to dissect it when we see it. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but sometimes we cut our own, the rods. No, there's a phrase. that thing called? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. There you go. Yeah, no, I definitely definitely agree with you. I do think that, I think part of the issue is that because they're not always in mainstream places, when we're, when when we see people get the opportunity for them to execute in the best way possible rather than seeing that they will make mistakes and do whatever i think it's similar to when we look at um the conversation around caribbean restaurants yeah and in fact it's not people don't even say caribbean they say jamaican which i find problematic because not every caribbean restaurant is a jamaican store Mm. just because they sell yellow Mm. patties not going to be jamaican owner or jamaican cuisine and i just feel like when it comes Mm -hmm. to caribbean restaurants as an example like using that as an example People are always talking about how the service is bad and it's this and that. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I could make a sketch of my experience with um, some Caribbean restaurant or Jamaican um, takeaways. But I mm. also know loads that are amazing standards, really good customer service. And I think people that keep pushing this narrative is, is, is working, it's working against us. It's not working for us, especially when it's done on public spaces. Because if I was a white person on Twitter and I'm seeing all these tweets about 
um, Caribbean, uh, all these memes about Caribbean restaurants. And at one point there was like a time when there was loads of memes about them. It's going to make me not want to go there and buy into our brand. Mm. Mm. I, just, I was just going to say, I've definitely seen posts of people saying, you know, like, this place is cancelled, the staff is rude, you know, but you'll still go back to Nando's a hundred times, even though, like, do you know? Even though the glass is dirty there and the forks are, have always got food on it. <laughs> so I'm saying, you'll the still ketchup go bottle. The ketchup bottle's always got ketchup on the side. <laughs> you'll still go back there, you'll still go to McDonald's, even though you know it's corrupt, like, so. <laughs> even the chicken is fake. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's two parts to it, right? I think one is, yeah, that the representation is so few and far in between that there's a greater pressure to get it right. Um, And that if you don't get it right, the fallout is so much more problematic than if a white person were to get it wrong within their own community because we are minorities. And because the, the physical threat and the emotional threat that minorities and more specifically black people are under are impacted. It's like, you know, it's like saying locker room banter is okay. But we know mm. that locker room banter ultimately has a trail to more insidious forms of sec- uh, of sexual offenses or just misogyny in general. And so I think I understand the 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 need to like protect um to protect what it is that you're doing you know, as, as women. To protect black people. To protect black people. And it's funny because there's a, there's a meme that I saw yesterday and it was a woman and she's walking around with her stereo and she's complaining about the fact that what, as we discussed last week, was so disgusting and how, and quite a few people have tweeted about the fact that like, you know, as black women, we need to be careful about the representation that we're pushing. But Mm. then, she switches the radio to uh, an all-male hip-hop radio and plays all the songs that say the word pussy in it. And it's like mm. a gazillion, um, you know, different songs that have the word pussy in it say repeatedly. And mm. even in, if transferring that to comedy, like, I, I wonder if it's okay for women to make those kinds of jokes, but not okay for men to make those kinds of jokes, or how much more accountable do we hold women for making problematic jokes about women versus men doing the same? Because in hip hop, men are allowed to say the word pussy and talk about women explicitly, but when women do it, they're held that much more to account as we've seen with the Cardi B thing, right? Um, I was about to yeah. say that. I was literally about to use that as an example. Yeah, and no, I definitely think that's true. I mean, I've seen, female comedians make sketches about periods or about like being a mom or about getting pregnant and it's funny because like you know what you're talking about if a man mm. did that I'd be like shut up like don't even ask you like <laughs> I, I do think it's hard I think with comedy that it's such a fine line isn't it like like every, every, I feel like everyone can relate to the time they've made a joke and nobody laughed or they've made a joke that just took it too far do you know what I mean like I think that's a very normal thing but like like, for example, like, jokes about rape and sexual assault, I'll never find funny. And I always feel like it's a, it's a territory that people don't need to ever go to. But when mm-hmm. I was in New York with my mum, we, we went to this comedy night, and there was a guy, and he, he told a story about how... Um, he, basically told, he basically told a story about an R. Kelly rape joke. Oh. It was extremely funny. And I, I, it sounds mad to even be able to say that. It was one of the funniest jokes I've ever heard. I can't remember what it was now. I was going to say, I want to hear the joke. No, I can't remember Literally, what You it can't was. say something like that and then not bring the joke home. No, because I, I just know how, like, how much I was, like, at the time, I don't think I even laughed because I was in so much shock of how this could be made to be funny. 
But he basically told the story of how when he first did the joke and spoke about it, before he did the joke, he said he's going to make a joke about R. Kelly and blah, 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 blah. And then there was a girl in the crowd that had, like, was one of the girls from the documentary. Oh. And the girl on the crowd, and he said, he said, he said that he had a, a, a risk at that point whether or not he should tell the joke. But he believed in his joke so much, he told the joke. And then the girl actually laughed. And then the next day, the girl came back with another victim. Oh, wow. Mm. And then they both, and they both watched it. And they laughed. And for them, it was kind of like therapeutic to hear their story like turn into a lighter, lighter story or something like that. He said, I can't remember. But it was, it was, it was just, it's just mad because I think it just goes back to, like, if you're going to tell jokes about things that are sensitive or could be sensitive or different communities, you need to make sure you execute it right or the backlash could be really, really to your detriment. Because that yeah. joke, I, like, to me, I would never, like, if I was a comedian, I would never step foot in those sort of territories. Do you know what I mean? But he, and, but, but he did it and just for him, it paid off but i feel like for most people i can't see how that would have paid off here's the thing i wish i had the joke now to tell you <laughs> so um dave Chappelle made a joke about bill cosby right and i don't know if you guys have seen it but basically he talks about him drugging these women and how essentially he for every hour that someone was asleep he was raping a woman and i can't remember exactly how he made the joke but people laughed and they thought it was funny but the reason that it was funny was because he was making fun of bill cosby not because he was making fun of the victims you know right and mm -hmm. so i think yeah. that goes back to the punch up punch down thing or what liz was saying about who is it that you're poking fun of and who are you in relation to them as well mm -hmm. But I think it's like, for some reason, within comedy specifically, as opposed to any other creative platform, it's like no holds barred. People should just be able to say whatever they want to say. And I don't know if that, do you guys feel like that's true? Like comedy operates in its, in silo in that, in that, in that regard? A hundred percent. I go to a lot of comedy nights. I'm a big fan of them. And I remember I went to one with my mum and um, kind of the reverse of your experience as an agent. So this was in Streatham in South London. <laughs> And there was a man on the stage who was black and he was given a comedy sketch. But like, you know, like when you sit at the front of the crap, the front row, you get, you get the most, like you get picked at in the, in like comedy shows. Do you know what I mean? Like stand up comedy, you get picked at when you're at the front. So there was a group of Asians, there was like loads of Asian people all sitting at the front. And the man, the black guy kept making these jokes towards the Asian man. And I think their white partner, I think, or just the Asian man. I can't remember, mm. whatever it was, I think it was the Asian man they're making jokes to the white partner. And in the end, the white partner actually got up and left. But because, oh. at, the front of, because at the front of the stage, everyone can oh. see the domestic. So he kept making the jokes. And you know, like, is it the MC? So it was the MC, it wasn't actually the comedian. It was the MC making the joke in between the thing. But every time he mm. came back, he continued the joke. So you'd see the, you saw the white man get up and leave the show, then come back and get his wife and leave. Then come back and the whole family left. Like, it was just all of these dramatic. Like, the whole row was just cleared out. And it was just, mm. what's my point again? What was he talking about? <laughs> <laughs> no, because I'm thinking, I was thinking about the story. What was the bit that you said before? <laughs> I don't actually know. <laughs> it was Leanne's question. Uh, yeah, what was your punching question? Punching up versus punching down. And do you see, like, comedy is, like, no holes barred? Oh, about not holding back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my point for that was, when the man was making the joke, the first few um, intervals when he made the joke, everyone was laughing, everyone was in hysterics. But once we all realised or agreed as a crowd that the jokes were taken too far and that people were actually being offended, we stopped laughing. Do you get what I mean? Mm. So like, I feel like mm. a lot of comedy, the, so the point that I was trying to make was that a lot of comedy is made at the expense of other people. But it, you have to read the room that you're in and you have to maybe, if you're someone who's doing pre-recorded content, to share it with people that are in those communities and see 
what the, the consensus is and how offensive it's going to be. Because otherwise, you're just going to offend people. Yeah, especially if you're making jokes about black women. I don't know if you guys saw that joke that Dave Chappelle made about 36-year-old pussy. Which mm-hmm. I was really uh, oh. offended by as a woman. I was like, I was triggered. <laughs> but basically, he said that 36-year-old pussy is, pussy is no good. Like, it's no longer useful to you, and which is why older men date younger How old is Dave Chappelle? Uh, I, he must be in his 40s by now. Oh, right, so, that's that thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's going to be extra strong if he's using them sort of puppets and phrases. Honestly, he's uh, rude. Yeah, no. So I think, yeah, you have to be careful about who you are in relation to who you're making the joke about and the history that you have between those two people. And I guess Africans and Cur- Caribbean people also, let me just make this point, that there is no such thing as Caribbeans. Specify the country, please. There is, or say mm. West Indian, say West Indian. I'm a West Indian, I'm also Jamaican. There's no such thing as Caribbeans. Just wanna throw mm. that out there. I'm just reading Tom Mucci's response and he's like, I love my Caribbeans, but they can get it. And I'm like, there's no such thing as Caribbeans. Like we don't, it's not. Um, mm, I feel you, it's a whole, it's a huge area. And it's a lot of islands. Hey, like which one are you talking about? As we by <laughs> African countries. <laughs> uh, and the worst thing is they differ so much. <laughs> they really do, they really do. Like, it wasn't, like for example, I always thought Paswa, yeah, it was like, um, what we see in like in Famalan as an example, like that sort of dialect, yeah. And then when I went to Antigua and they were talking about Patwa, like, someone was talking a language. I was like, what the hell are they saying? They're like, that's Patwa. And I was like, is it? According to who? <laughs> it, was, it, sound, it sounded like French. He was like, Patwa's bro- broken French. And when I heard them speaking, I was like, brother, my whole life is a lie. <laughs> and it is broken French in some countries that were colonized by. French uh, by the French, you know what I mean? So it, it makes mm. sense. And, and whereas Africa is a continent and it's joined up and there is like an intermingling between the countries post, well, yeah, post colonization, that just isn't true for the Caribbean. You know what I mean? Like we are, and also the Caribbean includes non-Caribbean, like Mexico, I'm sh- not Mexico, but there are certain islands that are part of the Caribbean that are not part of the West Indies. So, that's also something to consider, just a little history lesson there. Always um, get a history lesson, Leanne. <laughs> yeah, I think my my sort of like bottom line is like, you know, if you're making a joke about something or a culture that's not yours, don't do it. Just rewrite the joke. Just rewrite the joke. Because like, you know, the amount of times that we joke on this podcast and we're like, drama! <laughs> but like, we know what we're talking about. We're not and also, we're laughing at ourselves. Do you get what I mean? Like, if we, we might say something uh, like Leanne might Ouch. say something or you might say something and I will shout and say trauma and even though I'm saying it at you guys it's like it's a safe space for us to make that sort of banter do you get what I mean? Mm. yeah no Sorry. 100% and we don't make fun of other people either we just don't yeah exactly I mean like sometimes white people but I mean yeah I feel like I've made a few jokes that are inappropriate but we move <laughs> <laughs> it's all about learning and growing okay learning and growing and I'm sure we but make fun like, of black men on this show as well, but with love. Yeah, I mean, make it get it, because that's punching up, oh, right? Exactly, exactly. Okay, oh, yeah, he's coming with the this, this is a, no, but it, it's true though. This is how it's done well. Not saying that us, uh, we're like comic geniuses <laughs> out here, but like we make fun of like white people, make fun of men. We wouldn't sit here and make a joke about disabled people. That's not yeah. funny. 
Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's not that hard. Just take a lesson from dope black women. <laughs> Thank us later. So thanks so much for listening, guys. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to your podcast wherever you get them from. On Twitter and Facebook, we're Dope Black Women. But on Instagram, we're Dope Black Women 1. We will see you next week. But until then, stay blessed and unapologetically black. All the way black. Blacky black. Black tassie. Black Black Yeah, I was going to listen back to this. Like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> <laughs> These bitches had one job. Why she <laughs> Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.